Hello and welcome. XR Minds podcast with Liam Martin, EMP for your mind. This is a, a third episode this week. Hope you've had a good week. Nice day. So this is a this episode is a third episode. It's going to be a bit of consciousness exploration today with a, a subject I'm particularly interested in. It's kind of segues into many many other things that are interested in talking about on this show thought working stuff this week's episode is about the bodhidharma bodhidharma came on my radar uh, years ago through uh, being an interest in martial arts so when i was a youth i used to do kung fu i got pretty okay with it i was about to take my black belt and kind of start freaking out and uh yeah kind of quit but then years later i uh, i took up as an adult um, studying penjak Silat martial art which has a lot of mysticism involved with it and yeah, Southeast Asian martial art is, is Malaysia, Indonesia, Java kind of area. It's a bit Javanese mysticism involved. And yeah, uh, the style I learned was uh, from around the Shumandi River. It was uh, the Williams, Williams Sanders uh, system, you know, we sort of brought it over to America. But yeah, I mean, yeah, studied that work with a guy locally. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of spiritual stuff involved with this. And I think I thought I'd do a, a show about this because I think sometimes if you've not taken part in in martial arts, if you've not sort of been in that circle in that world, it can look a bit like it's all about um, just violence, you know. But this this spiritual aspects can get missed, especially with MMA and you know on on the telly and being popular, it sort of just looks like you know people having a good scrap. But there's 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 a lot of stuff to this, you know, with the breathing stuff, with like Wim Hof I mentioned before consciousness breathing meditation and martial arts you know those spiritual parts kind of go with it in fact penjak sila they say that the penjak and sila is like the spiritual bit and without that there is no penjak sila and there's a real focus on it so i thought i'd talk about that and talk about uh the bodhidharma who is uh his stories is really interesting character in history and is uh the originator of uh, shaolin kung fu uh, and what the thing about this uh, is a you know, Buddhist monk of the fifth and sixth century. But I mean, this this guy. The surprising thing for me is this guy seems to brazenly be an African dude. Do you know what I mean? And it almost I mean when I first 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 heard this guy's name said, I'd heard it as I might have misinterpreted it, but I'd heard it as that this is a guy that basically like well from my my imagination was like he did a forest gump. Dude, just like dude, dude in Africa, just went for a walk one day, and I'd heard he'd come from West Africa originally. I'm not sure. We'll get into this and see if that's exactly true. But yeah, this guy I'd first heard it is like he's basically walked from West Africa, got himself over towards you know India and Tibet and China. He ended up at a temple, uh, uh, Shaolin, the Shaolin Temple, and yeah taught on martial arts and it was like well it seems a bit strange the way I'd heard it is that he just studied animals along his walk and you know came up with a martial art based on studying animals so I thought this would be an interesting one so I've done martial arts myself and um you know we can look at I thought it'd be great to look at fighting you know as how long back it goes and, and sort of like the hand-to-hand stuff hand-to-hand combat do you know what I mean because we see in the movies people kind of doing superhuman things and you know and i'm interested in in you know consciousness exploration human potential 
that sort of stuff. So I thought, yeah, this, this is a big topic. So we'll see what um, Wikipedia, we'll start there with Wikipedia, see what Wikipedia's got to say about this uh, character, the Bodhidharma. So a Wikipedia entry reads, Bodhidharma was a legendary Buddhist monk who lived during the 5th and 6th century, who was traditionally credited as a transmitter of Buddhism into China and regarded, so that's not bad, is it? It's just, is transmitting Buddhism to China. That's a pretty big claim to fame. Okay, so anyway. Yeah, so uh, he's regarded as the first Chinese uh, patriarch. Okay, it's big titles. According to Chinese legend, he also began a physical training of monks in, Shaolin, in the Shaolin Monastery that led to the creation of Shaolin Kung Fu. Okay. In Japan, he's also known as Daruma. His name means Dharma of Awakening, Bodhai in Sanskrit. So, the awakening guy, yes, some kind of a real originator of spreading Buddhism. What a guy, you know, that's what I'm thinking. Sounds cool, man. This guy's story. So, it says a uh, little contemporary uh, uh, biographical information of Bodhidharma is, ex is extant, and subsequently accounts became legend. So, you know, okay, all layered with legend and unreliable details. So yeah, the true origins, bit hazy of where exactly it comes from. So that was the thing. So, uh, but it says, according to the uh, principal Chinese sources, Bodhidharma came from uh, the Western regions, which refers to Central Asia, which may also include the uh, Indian subcontinent as described as either Persia, Central Asia or South a India. Okay, so it could be, it could be from South India, you know, from some part of China. It says, um, throughout Buddhist, okay, it says here that on Wikipedia, yeah, so I'll put all the links in, in the details as always. But um, throughout Buddhist art, Bodhidharma is depicted as an ill-tempered, profusely bearded, wide-eyed, non-Chinese person. Okay, non-Chinese. All right, so it's, you know, non-China, it's not China. Okay, it's not from China, it seems. Even in Wikipedia it says that. So, referred to uh, the blue-eyed barbarian. That's, that's how he was thought of. So he's got, mm. So I don't, I don't know if he's, I don't know his exact origins at the minute, but it looks like he's not China, maybe Indian. Maybe Indian, we've got blue eyes. Okay, so aside from Chinese accounts, several popular traditions also exist regarding the Bodhidharma's origins. The accounts also differ on the date of his arrival, with one early account claiming that he arrived during the Lu Song dynasty from um, 420 to 479, and later accounts dating of his arrival in the Lang dynasty, 502 to 557. The Bodhidharma was primarily active in the territories of uh, Northern Wei in 386 to 534. So, I mean, it makes him old as well, doesn't it, that? But anyway, yeah, modern scholars dating back to as early as the 5th century. So, yeah, the 500, yeah. I mean, they're not exactly sure what a Wikipedia, but we'll investigate, you know. Uh, oh, there's another little entry from Wikipedia here. It says, um, Bodhidharma's teachings and practices are centered on meditation. So this is the point I wanted to make with this. Is centered is speaking about meditation. They invented Shaolin Kung Fu, got people training in that. But his practice is centered on meditation. And how many times do we see that in the movies? 
yeah this focus thing right? there's, a, there's a reason for this okay there's a reason for this so okay let's continue to read Bodhidharma's uh, teachings and practice centered on meditation and the Lankavatra Sutra okay now it's interesting that in Salat there's a there is foundational movements known as Lankas so interesting if I'm only just think, making this link right now as, a, as I just read this so there's the Lanka foot the, that's the footwork that you use in Salat and you, when you do a Lanka it's when you use your footwork to kind of get in a position where your legs next to someone else's but you're in a dominant position so you can kind of like just bend your knees or kind of kind of fold your legs to pin their legs to the ground kind of thing you know like if you imagine putting your knee behind somebody else's knee but if you're at the correct angle you can just kind of crouch down and it'll make their leg go down but anyway yeah lanka so that's interesting so yeah i mean bodhidharma possibly from india specifically stating he's depicted as not chinese and uh, if you actually have a look at <laughs> if you look at some of the statues man set in stone aren't they carved in uh yeah i mean the dude's the dude's african the dude's an african guy straight up you can you can look you can see he's got a broad nose he's got a broad nose is it looks african you know it looks african and i've seen um uh in this there's, there's statues in thailand where they've got pictures of it definitely there's definitely uh there's africans uh, within buddhism for sure definitely especially like say southeast asia there's a lot of statues there's statues of buddha and there's you know deities and stuff with broad noses definitely african you know I like to yeah mention give a uh, Hinduism a mention here as well because of the Vedics there was a were pretty famous one called Sai Baba because he was he got famous as a bit of a a, a guru it went um, some say it went a bit court leadery because he reckons he can manifest precious stones and things but I think he just get them out of his mouth so people said oh he could have swallowed stuff and you know trained to bring it back or what I don't know. I don't know, but Sai Baba, I mentioned him, that Hindu Vedic, because um, he has a really broad nose and he's got an afro. Well, he used to, I think he's passed away now, but yeah, he had a brazen afro. So there's a Hindu Vedic. It's clearly African. Obviously, India and Africa, it's civilizations that go way back. So this Bodhidharma guy, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't he be African? You know, of course. So, in, in in looking into this a bit more, I'm not just going to stick with Wikipedia, obviously, because I mean, you can you can edit Wikipedia yourself. So, it's not 100. You know, it's good good for a starting point, but I think you want to research properly. You got to you got to dig, got to find things for yourself. So, I found, which was, I found actually I was really looking at, looking into this topic because I came across um, I came across an article. Is basically it was a flashback throwback to a, a karate magazine, and uh, from and it was basically talking about an article uh, from 1999, which was in a Black Karate Federation magazine, uh, B BKF, and that was um, talking of the African origins of all martial arts, explaining how untold origins of the oldest martial arts on earth was uh, explored. In, 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 a, in, a, in a book as well uh, entitled Nuba Wrestling so then you think well actually yeah Nuba Wrestling the African origins of martial arts revealed by Nigel BPG I mean yeah why not if it's if Africa's the cradle of civilization then well yeah 
Oh yeah, a lot of this stuff, the ultimate is going to come from Africa, okay. So, I mean, this magazine, you know, not in general, it's 1999, and I think, you know, not in general circulation, but it was, uh, it says here it was heralded as a landmark publication, because it was the first global acknowledgement of Africa being a birthplace of, birthplace of martial arts and sciences, okay, which for me is no probably you know, it stands to reason, doesn't it? If Africa and India and Africa and uh, China, they've been going around a long time anyway. anyway. Long, long, they've been doing civilization the longest, you know. And if Africa's where we all start, then yeah, obviously, you know, it's going to be things are going to have come from there. We have to start somewhere. If that's a starting point, then that's where they've come from. It makes sense, doesn't it? I think uh, I think the deal is. I mean, this is talking. We're talking in the nineties. I think uh, I think we're looking at a situation where you know that scholars, academics don't necessarily want to backtrack on stuff. Didn't necessarily want to be seen as wrong, and also going to be some racism involved here. We're not you know not wanting to say what's what, and and also if you've got some cool stuff in your in your culture, you kind of want to make out you've invented it. Maybe you know. But yeah, we'll get on to this. There's a nice little quote from the... I mean, I've not got the, the book, Nuba Wrestling, but luckily there's an extract here in this uh, in this article from this magazine way back. So it says... Um, yeah, uh, this magazine was heralded as a landmark publication for the first global acknowledgement of Africa as the birthplace of martial arts and sciences. An extract from the book reads, The Nuba of Sudan, which is, you know, used to be buddies with uh, Egypt... Ancient Egypt, but anyway, yeah, uh, the new birth Sudan, Africa practiced the form of martial arts wrestling over 2,800 years before Christ. There are no other records in any corner of the world that can claim such a long and unbroken martial arts tradition. This form of martial arts, which included weapons as as well as fortifications and certainly empty-handed self-defense blossomed in the, the 12th dynasty of Egypt. There we go, see? Uh, Nuba wrestling is the original martial art that all of Africa, Asia, and Europe later came to benefit from. Which, of course, whatever comes before you, you know, first person ever for a punch ever, <laughs> if you see it, you're going to learn something from it, aren't you? If it's, if it's windmilling, you're going to... Oh, that's, change the motion a bit that's not working you know <laughs> of course you build on the people that's come before you don't you you know so i mean and it, and it also turns out as well i mean in in investigating this that yeah this this thing's kind of rife that even even the the, the greeks it's a point that aspects of uh, greek thought such as astronomy and mathematics and the aforementioned arts and sciences, right, they didn't originate from Greece. Okay. <laughs> right. But, I mean, and bearing in mind in the West, we use Greek uh, reason and philosophy as the basis of, uh, of Western civilization as well. Kind of thing, the democracy is uh, Greek. Okay, but it says uh, there's ample evidence that, um, I mean... The, the Greeks, it says, there's ample evidence uh, and testimony acclaimed by philosophers and historians of ancient Greece, such as Herodotus in um, 500 BCE, and uh, Pythagoras and Plato and others, okay, supporting the idea that, you know, Greece didn't originate 
a lot of the stuff that they had. Right. And um, many of these were put to death. Many people were put to death in Greece um, because of knowledge that they'd imported. Okay. It was, I mean, it was, it says that here that um, so significant was the source of Greek knowledge and culture that the earliest inhabitants of the land derived their name, Greece, from their ancient name for Africa, Nigricia. So they, hmm, that's interesting, I didn't know that. Okay, see how these words and, and things in, in culture, things cross over, and it's like, mm, we've, we've, had, we've had interactions between us all, you know? But yeah, and it says, uh, Greeks has to access to uh, Egyptian arts and sciences were recorded um, by the 7th and 18th century. Euro Europeans in Egypt, such as... Uh, okay, I can't say this name. Ed Edmi F. Jomard, uh, James Burton, uh, Jean Chapollion, Robert Hay, and others have, you know, reported on this back in 17th, 18th century, that Greece, yeah, did in fact get a lot of its arts and sciences by having access to Egypt. You know, and buddies can go and check them out and see what they've got. And, um, and the famous uh, Greco-Roman wrestling, they were famous for, for wrestling, Greece is, you know. And Greco-Roman wrestling attributes the origins of the sport to uh, illustrations discovered on the walls of the region of uh, ancient Egypt, or as a uh, the region uh, Mahez, okay, is uh, renamed Beni Hassan, which means a uh, uh, hill of the son of the Hassan family, Beni Hassan. So in the Beni Hassan temple, I mean, there's there's a this painting, there's you know depictions on the wall of uh, people doing uh, wrestling maneuvers, you know, and there's the, the, the paintings that got African martial artists, okay, uh, you've got these African martial artists. You, and, and you know Egyptians and that doing it basically depicts different kind of, they look like different locks and throws there's lots and lots of them you know so the illustrations point to a well developed science that actually developed in Nubia but reached the zenith of expression in Egypt okay so so you got these paintings in Africa of people doing these martial arts like way before and obviously then Greece are coming after and you know it's got some of that knowledge and then why not right it says the illustrations total well over 500 individual peers of wrestlers who are executing hundreds of sophisticated techniques do you know what I mean somebody's sat and thought about it and worked this you know they've worked, worked it out of course of course people don't just sit around all history on their ass waiting for Netflix to come along are they They're doing stuff you know <laughs> Yeah. So, and yeah. So it says it says here that the um, in the article it says the scenes of martial arts. Uh, there are scenes of martial artists using weapons such as uh, the lance, uh, short sticks, daggers, staffs, bow and arrows, and even scenes of warriors utilizing military technology, such as a testudo, which is a, like a, a shielding device that you use uh, when you like put, put a castle on the siege and it kind of like covers you while you're like, trying to bash the door in and shit but, <laughs> but yeah I mean it's uh, yeah so it's like got these depictions from Egypt back in the day it's like it's come from Sudan and then you know got refined and then people are using that, that stuff in Egypt and, and you know and, and why not right 
you know, there's probably a lot of stuff going on back in ancient Egypt. You know, warriors and, and well, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, let's go on. So how do we get to the bodied armor? So we'll, we'll get there. We will get there. <laughs> sort of doing this origins thing at the minute. But it's important. It's important, you know, for in general. And it's important for, you know, where there was this guy coming from. Is he saying he wants Chinese? Possibly Indian, but kind of looks African when you're depicting. So let's go on. It says, um, oh, it says here, really, there's a, there's a, oh, there was an article back in 1941 um, about uh, ancient life in Egypt, include portions of scenes from the tomb. So we've got some pictures from there belonging to uh, uh, Prince Baquet III. Okay. And it, it was, it was talking about how um, it says, by contrasting body colours of Egyptian athlete and his Negro opponents of ancient sports artists made uh, clear the handholds, many of which are identical with those used today. So what we're talking about here is that differently painted people are uh, showing the contrast. So you can you can kind of see where things are. You know, you can see where the hands and arms, where the limbs are placed, sort of thing. And, um, and like I mentioned before, it's it mentioning that there was a a denial of the true origins of a lot of things due to prejudice because he said the, the western world often discredited the ancient kemetic roots meaning uh, africa uh, kemet uh, kemet is the ancient name for another ancient name for africa kemet hence the word um chemistry as well if you're not aware that's where the word chemistry comes from from kemet the alchemy of kemet then becomes the word chemistry and alch alchemy Alchemy and chemistry, intrinsic ones, both doing chemistry. So different philosophies behind it, but yeah. So, Kemet, name of Africa, Kemetic, the Kemetic roots. That just means the roots of Kemet, as in from Africa. Okay. So in, in the in the case of martial arts, then they're probably never provided with the keys to unlock the martial arts. If you're just taking pictures even if they're really detailed, then the, the spiritual aspects aren't there. The, what, are you, what are you thinking at this moment? How are you feeling? You know, the, the little nuanced stuff, it's not, not quite there, is it? You know, I suppose it's a bit like, um, well, someone would give it a comparison here. It says it's like bootlegging a software program without the instructions to run it. Although you may eventually figure it out on your own, no one would know that program as well as the programmer. This is true, you know, and I suppose it's like, I was going to say, it's a bit like you're missing part of the communication. Like if you, you can send the stuff in a text message, it's great. But if you had a teacher there, then, you know, you've got a two-way thing and you can you get to places faster, can't you? You know, something's not quite right. They can see it and adjust it and, you know. So, yeah, it's better, it's better to have be taught it properly and just trying to sort of back-engineer it or recreate it. You probably are going to, gonna miss bits out so yeah yeah probably probably did have some of the keys missing okay and it says that um more salient aspects of uh chemic thought such as science and the science of uh matt encourage justice truth righteousness correct action to direct the spiritual forces that will be encountered with the in intense study of the physical martial sciences so that kind of makes it sound a bit like so encouraging let's say it again encouraging 
justice, truth, righteousness and correct actions to direct spiritual forces that would in be encouraged with the intense study of physical martial sciences. Okay, so it sounds like sounds like that Jedi stuff. You know, if you want to use the force and you've got to like use it wisely and, and don't go to the dark side. Do you know what I'm saying? And you see this with a uh, um, one of the guys, uh, Bruce Lee, uh, uh, one of the foundation teachers they had, um, Ip Man, Master Ip. You see, in the Ip Man movies, it, it was it was so good. It could, it could, there was lots of opportunities during fights where it could wreck people, but it doesn't, you know, because he's that good. In fact, sometimes he is about to do something and he would change what he does so as not to hurt the person, you know. They say, that's what I say, this spiritual aspect of martial arts, it really matters in terms of, like I say, being a nice person and then just wreck people up because you can. And also, the more you work that side of things, the better you can do the physical stuff. You know, so if you really do need it, you, you you know what I mean? You've got it, but you can only get it if you're prepared to not use it. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a bit of a weird one. Right? But yeah, I mean, it says, um, I mean, it's going back to this article. It says, um, so we've got this, the correct action, the, the, the spiritual aspects, the righteousness, the truth and justice being emphasized. Okay. And it's, so then it goes on to say, there are also the teachings of the seven principles of the great Egypt, Tehuti. Okay, so Tehuti was what the Greeks called Hermes. Hermes, man. And Hermes, Hermes is major. Hermes is major. Hermes philosophy is a staff of Hermes. Is, the, is it the code of the Kadush, which is the medical symbol that's used today? It's like, um, like a, a kind of pillar, a sort of spike with two snakes wrapped around it. That's the medical symbol. You know, some say it's a DNA symbol but that's, yeah, that's another story I'd probably do a show on that but but yeah the seven principles of the, the Egyptian Tehuti aka Hermes staff of Hermes uh, yeah the Hermes philosophy I mean Hermes was uh, translated in modern in contemporary times earlier they had a you know choice of what you're going to translate Plato or Hermes they went for Hermes first obviously considered more important right Hermes is major with alchemy and spiritual, all the spiritual stuff, man, and magic and all that stuff. <laughs> okay, Hermes is, is a big, is a big character. He's a major character. So then to discover, into exploring this, you know, we're seeing that. Uh, and the, no, Hermes is an African dude, Tehuti, known to be super smart. It says uh, these teachings of and sciences, along with meditation, breath control, concentration, and the correct application of martial arts, will lead to the release of powerful inner forces. Right? Use the force, Luke. Yeah. Use your chi, your ki, your prana. Yeah. Get your organ on charged up. You know what I'm saying? The spark. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. He says. Um, uh, that powerful inner forces is represented by um, by a serpent okay and that ties in to what's known as uh, the Kundalini in a, in its sister civilization India right so they've got Kundalini the energy that kind of goes up your spine connect your chakras together yeah so they've got this serpent the serpent of wisdom alright We've got that, say, possibly the, it got it for the medical signal. Two snakes, serpent is a symbol of wisdom. Okay. 
even even if you go back to the Bible, actually, it's a serpent saying, "Eat the apple, you'll, you'll figure stuff, you'll get smart." You know, whatever. But anyway, in the West, spiritual aspects were, were neglected, not understood, and in some cases withheld altogether. Okay, so I think, like I say, I mentioned with the Greeks, thinking fairness to the Greeks, they're probably just back engineering something they didn't know all of it. But like you say, there's spiritual teachings, you know, they could have perhaps gone and learned about Buddhism and then see how the two relate, you know, whatever. But yeah, and like I say, maybe they did. It says withheld altogether. I think, mm, wow, why, why withhold it, right? Maybe it works. They're like, dog, damn. Don't want to be teaching this to everybody because then, you know what I'm saying? Because it's a bit, I think of like Tai Chi masters. I think of Tai Chi masters, man. They'd be like, the stories say that they used to be able to uh, leave the body. They could sit down, meditate, leave the body, like have an out-to-body experience, just at will. But you still got full physical force. So you can't lock them up. You know, you lock them up, they'll just meditate get out of the cell, knock the guard out, get the key, go and unlock the cell, and then just walk out. So, you know, it makes me think of that stuff. I think, mm, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. But, you know, it's... Because this is... You know, There's stuff about people. People are cool, man. People can do stuff. I mean, like I say, we're talking the chi stuff, yeah? We're talking also about the creative force when you're doing creative things. It's that energy, that people energy, that humanity bringing stuff up thing. You know, when the chips are down and you can draw stuff out of yourself as well. You know, it's, this is like talking about, we're talking, like I say, it's like the Jedi stuff, you know, the, teacher, the science and the meditation, breath control, righteousness, justice, correct action, guiding spiritual forces from within to give you power, you know, we're talking like developing Goku, Dragon Ball Z powers, you know, spark a life sort of thing. So, and, and so, I mean, look at, uh, I say it's all tied in with Egypt as well, isn't it? Lots lot of stuff about Egypt, which we'll do a show about one day, of course. But, you know, it all tying in. And we'll look at, like, a, I mean, you've got to think of Egypt as well and all this stuff back then. Talking about things being withheld, uh, much of the records of Egypt were later deposited in libraries such as the one at Alexandria, which got burned down. So that's all gone or, you know, spirited away. Hey, little joke there. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, come on. So that all that stuff been lost. I bet this stuff works. And obviously, if they're doing it for thousands of years before, you know, for people are thinking to do it, then they've probably got it locked. Yeah, got it dialed in, you know? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so, yeah. So it goes on to say, because of the lack of a, a true understanding, the Greeks developed a love of wisdom as a result. And I thought that was interesting. If you can prove that, the claim, I guess. But then, but then... They did have a love of wisdom. That's true. They did have this love for wisdom or philosophy, which encourages. It says here. It says. Yeah, I'm gonna read it. Oh, it's kind of having a bit of a dig at the Greeks. But it says because of the lack of uh, true understanding of the Greeks, developed this love of wisdom or philosophy, which encourages ideas and speculation more than action. Okay. So it says here that African genius Imhotep, known to the Greeks as um, Asclepius, was a multi-talented student of Tahuti, who was Hermes, and he said of the Greeks, For the Greeks have empty speeches, 
that they are energetic only in what they demonstrate. And this is the philosophy of the Greeks, an inane philosophy of speeches. We, the Egyptians, by contrast, use not speeches, but sounds that are full of action. Think, dude, 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 going in it hard. Talk to him, you know? <laughs> dude, letting him know. So the way I'm interpreting that is, no, you're talking, they're talking the talk, they're talking theory, and it's like, you don't even know. You don't even know we're doing the do. And so when we talk, it's a bit like, do you know what? It's got that Spartan kind of energy. Maybe the Spartans figured it. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know, maybe the Spartans figured it. And that's like, nah, well, you know, and then, like, when they get threatened, we will invade you. We, If we win, we will we will rape your wives and burn down you. And they're like, and the Spartans are right back. You're like, yeah, if. Do you know what I'm saying? It's that story. It's that kind of vibe, isn't it? It's like, you don't know. <laughs> but true that. You know, Greeks did take the name from Nigratia. So true that. Just saying, just what this is what history is telling us. From more than one source, just saying. Anyway, I'm just reading, I'm just the messenger. Although, I've seen 300. Anyway, anyway. It goes on. It goes on. We'll go on, shall we? We'll go on. Let's have some more, eh? Not some more, eh? More evidence of African martial arts origins can be found in Japan. Yep. Japanese history, so they've got, I didn't, I didn't even know this about Japan until I read about this, right, I just didn't know, fair enough, right, there's another way to say it, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, history of Japan, right, the Aboriginal Japanese are called the Anui, uh, sorry, the Ainu, A-I-N-U, right, it says the etymology of the word karate and the history of Buddha shows you like some evidence of coming from Africa okay so so it says the Buddhist background and principles of thought can be traced back to black people in India known as uh, the Dravidians okay so that's okay so I'm gonna say that again the Buddha the Buddhist background and principles of thought can be traced to the black people in India, known as the Dravidians. They inherited India's old black civilization known as the Harappan civilization, which existed from around 4000 BC and was the contemporary of Nubia prior to the first Egyptian dynasty. Okay, so they, I suppose they're like in between guy just before Egypt, just before Egypt's first dynasty crossing over Nubia, then a um, Harappan civilization are there for a bit, and then the first Egyptian dynasty comes along. So, man, this is like, you know, 6,000 years ago. Do you know what I'm saying? 6,000 years ago. This is a way back. It's a way back. Okay. So, you know, so in the indigenous Japanese, I've got some links into Africa. Okay. And it says in the centuries that followed, the Dravidians of India's experience and culture and religious, they experienced a cultural and religious invasion from the north, about 1500 BC. 
by Indo-Europeans who call themselves Aryans. Okay, so here come the Europeans. And it says that after centuries of conflict as recorded in the epic Maha... Well, I don't, I don't know if these are Europeans exactly. Uh, the Aryans, though, you know. But yeah, it says uh, centuries of conflict as recorded in the epic Mahar Mahabharata. The Aryans prevailed. They absorbed much of the arts, sciences, and religious deities and indigenous Indian uh, population, and in its place established the caste-based faith of Hinduism. Okay. So, yeah. Well, that, okay. So we've got a little bit of history there, and that's so all the links will be in descriptions. But a quick note from Wikipedia on uh, Dravidians: it says the origins of the Dravidians are very a uh, very complex subject of research and debate so like i say it's a bit there's a lot of crossover with all of this stuff but any of these kind of investigations with stuff that's going on in the world in ancient history there is a lot of crossover and there's a lot of friction from scholars not wanting to say stuff and racism and religions kind of blocking each other and it's like whatever but it's why you gotta do it yourself i'd say go and look, go and look for yourself man Talk to people, go and find out, read books. Just go and find out for yourself. You can't trust tele television's a fantasy world. Anyway, let's move on. Do sure about that. Anyway, <laughs> so, all right then. So looking at the basic martial arts history, we've got some interesting history from, from Asia, from Europe going through. Uh, and now we've explored the facts of the origins of, of martial arts being you know from africa which kind of makes sense and sit back and think about it yeah yeah that, that brings us to the bolidama and his origins there so we established that there's this stuff going on way from way back so i just want to give um i just wanted to build it up first <laughs> before really dropping in on it because there is a there's a, a backstory there is a backstory of all of this stuff so it's like, it's like you know watch that tv show csi you know, and they see the cool bit in the lab with the funky music, and then they get the evidence, and it's like, no, that, that that's that's just like the money shot, man. That took hours of lab work, man. It took weeks, you know, weeks of boring, repetitive tests, and you don't show that bit. But yeah, there's a backstory to this stuff when it comes to history, and this consciousness exploration, human potential, the fringe edges of weirdness stuff man you've got to, them details matter you've got to find that stuff out and connect these dots so you've got a picture so anyway so what's the what's the official uh, reference then for the body dharma so it says in 520 AD a monk named the body dharma left southern India for China to uh, refine and spread the teachings of the counter religion to Hinduism called Buddhism Buddhism was a religion founded on the teachings of Siddhartha Gautama, who taught the Four Noble Truths to Enlightenment. While often portrayed as Asian, the Buddha was a black man. Ooh, boom. Yeah, it's punching in the face. Say that again. While often portrayed as Asian, the Buddha was a black man. Sir Godfrey Higgins, an 18th century English scholar of ancient culture, produced two volumed works uh, published in 1836 titled. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what this word is. Anclepsis. Okay. 1936 publication, two volumes, Anclepsis, an inquiry into the origins of languages, 
nations and religions. His research reveals that the following passage. In the most ancient temples scattered throughout Asia, where his worship is yet continued, he is found black as jet, with the flat face, thick lips and curly hair of the Negro. Today, we awake to the facts that Buddha's tightly curled hair knots and elongated lobes are unmistakably African cultural traditions. They are not snails that protect his holiness from rays of sun, nor are his extended earlobes a sign of wisdom as some scholars and early martial arts instructors used to teach. It's true, I've heard that. I've heard that, the long earlobes and stuff. But this is saying, no, no, just black guy. And, and funnily enough, actually, um, in studying metaphysics years ago and stuff, I did come across uh, there's uh, three, uh, there's these three wise guys in Buddhism. These three like wise kings, I can say it like that. But it's like three wise, the three wise kings kind of thing. Those guys, well, there's three wise king types in Buddhism. Three, three black dudes, you know. And I think uh, metaphysics. I think yeah, it was from Doctor Phil Valentine talking about this. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I always remember this quote saying that uh, they were called the Naga, the Nagas. Okay, now the Naga is the serpents, the snakes, symbol of wisdom. It's the it's the the very final phase of learning Penjaxila. You learn that animals. Okay, the final animal you learn is the the uh, ape, then a monkey because that can mimic the other animals. So it's the biggest syllabus, and then you go on to the Naga level where you're able to shapeshift between the animals flawlessly, okay? So you're trying to reach the feathered serpent level, you know? So it's interesting, interesting that, that you know, saying the, the Buddha's black and pointing out the, the you know, the flat face and the earlobes, and it's like, hmm, yeah, there, are, there is black people involved in Buddhism. There is, definitely. Seen it, say the Nagas. And if you think about this in language, say this guy studied in language, okay? That's what he was looking for, the origins of religions, nations, and language. Well, in language, you can interchange a vowel. You can swap a vowel over. So amen can be amon and such, like amon-ra, okay? So if you think about naga, you know, you've got to switch one letter and then you've got the bad word that you don't say about black people. So that made me wonder, maybe that's the way the word comes from. Maybe that's the mo one of the most powerful parts that you could talk about when it comes to black people and the origins of Africa. So if you can bastardize that word, the Nagas, change it to something else and make it bad. It's like one of those classic inversion tricks, isn't it? Classic Jedi mind trick, put you down trick. But that's just it's a thought I had when I came across that. Anyway, back to the back to the Bodhidharma. Okay, so it's it reads that at a temple known as Shaolin in China, Bodhidharma prescribed a set of exercises and movements to keep the monks healthy and awake during meditation. These movements and breathing exercises again was important. Don't forget to breathe. Okay, so the movements and breathing exercises became known as the Eighteen Hands of Lohan and formed the basis of Chinese Shaolin Kung Fu and later Japanese Karate. And it's what well, it says here, though. although it must be noted that, um, that the indigenous Enyu on the island of uh, present-day Hokkaido, Japan, uh, contributed significantly in transmission of martial arts to those islands. So yeah, so it's, yeah, 
so it's not just the bodhidharma some some people was like yeah this is a cool stuff man we'll spread that too so it's not just on him that's fair enough give him some credit okay so uh yeah and these people also they also you know it's the spreading of her body almost like i say mentioned before is known for the spreading of her buddhist philosophy which derived from ancient kemet originally some of the teaching could be traced back so um yeah so they taught them in the shaolin temple to you know i'm going to maintain the exercises you know, and it will teach you self-defense skills designed and this is all designed to preserve the body okay and they're saying that this is like where the spiritual things comes in because once you once you preserve the body then it, it could be mastered that was the idea and then it could be utilized to unlock the spiritual centers within and provide a pathway towards your liberation of the soul and the without you see the within and the without the in and the out the inside and the outside the dark side and the and the and the light using the force that's the almost like the difference it's it's that tying in again i quote the uh i quote danny dyer from um the film human traffic when there's a there's a scene where they're having the, these deep conversations out of the face on drugs and having one of these little epiphanies where he's talking like darth vader is a uh, seeks to conquer outer space whereas yoda seeks to conquer inner space and it is a bit of that exchange, you know. The more of the spiritual work that you can do on the inside, the better you're able to apply yourself in the physical world, you know. So anyway, yeah, the spiritual pathway of martial arts, just they're intrinsically linked, you know. It's just, it's just the way it is, man. And we see uh, examples in modern times because a similar paths to fulfillment and in, uh, spiritual enlightenment have been the, these paths have been traveled by well-known fighters go, ended up going from a fighter to becoming you know, a kind of spiritual person both in and out of temples, mosques, churches uh, for example if you study the lives of martial arts masters like I'm saying doing the martial arts thing uh, there was a guy called uh, Ed Parker and a guy called Bruce Lee and a guy called Muhammad Ali and a guy called George Foreman and they, they've, all been, uh, they've all been martial arts masters and you'll see that a spiritual quest refocused their lives. Ed Parker and Bruce Lee became profoundly spiritual in later years. In the late years of the study, Muhammad Ali embraced Islam. George Foreman became a minister. Yeah, these are uh, they're not they're not mere coincidences, are they? Right. This is. I think it's inevitable. I think it's. I think it's an inevitable direction. Every serious martial artist will ent eventually end up taking that route because they, they follow paths towards they may follow different paths towards liberation but they'll find themselves along the same road paved by these Africans like 3,000 years before Christ people have been doing this a long time yeah we've been here a while folks we've been here a while anyway so going back to the uh, going back to the uh, the, root, the roots of this Okay, to mention that because those paintings they're really fascinating. Um, those the, the depictions on the wall with the, the with the you know showing the moves. Okay, in the in the Mahes tomb, and uh, it says that I mean, <laughs> it says that a standard army of six hundred well-trained soldiers were successfully in battles, right? And then um, and it says 
it says that high, as in little nickname for Bodhidharma high, was a benevolent man and much loved by his people. And it was like, well, it was it was kind of revered. Do you know what I'm saying? It was a it was a prime character, you know. And and it talks about how him and the king and the Bodhidharma and the king. It says, uh, it, it was the king Amenemat. That's it, Amenemat. It says Amenemat's a we've got. Menemat, it basically says that it, you need to try and visualize that you've got an African martial arts master and a priest, prince, a Menemat, conferring with each other for rank in the temple centuries before that kind of stuff's happening in, in Asia, you know, and then coming to us in the movies. We, we're talking about um, we achieve a rank with a belt. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what they're doing back then. It's had like the earliest rec recorded practice of warriors putting on a belt before a workout can be found in Africa. The, f the first two paintings uh, on the eastern wall of the, the Baquette, the third tomb that we was talking about before, it depicts two fighters who, who um, ritualistically tie a belt around the waist before they square off and begin sparring. And the hanging ends of the belt that are so familiar these days can clearly be depicted. Do you know what I mean? You've got the two little, do you know what I mean? Two little tassel bits or whatever hanging out. So it's like, back then, it's like the body of Dharma and the, the priest prince are deciding, in, you know, are doing the gradings, <laughs> giving people the new belts and that, you know? It's like, what? All way back then, you know? So... You know what I'm saying? You could bet your bottom dollar they had tournaments and stuff and MMA kind of like, you know. But that was the thing. But it, yeah, well, well, I was on it. And gladiators and stuff. But yeah, I think it's funny that they've got belts and that. You know. And I wonder then, I wonder if the black belt then is it is it emptiness. Because that's the thing with Buddhism, isn't it? Trying to aim for emptiness, which sounds crap for a Western mind, but then it's like, no, because with emptiness, things can then be put into it if it's already full it can't so it's that sort of it's a bit like a, if you do a punch with your right hand well you can't do a punch again can you until you chamber your arm back again so you know what I mean you gotta go empty so you can go full and empty again to go full anyway yeah little, uh, <laughs> probably a poor description but yeah I'm gonna go on yeah, so you got the little uh, got little belts and that from from back in the day, and it says uh, these ancient the ancient warriors same doing the same stuff as modern warriors, man. You know, and like I say, people are ending up on these spiritual paths um, through you know this sort of switching role. I mean, there was a guy called uh, there was a Kempo grandmaster called Donnie Williams, who was known um, as a, he was a law enforcement officer teaching a form of discipline that ended up being known as Christian Karate. Grandmaster Williams has also got the title of Bishop for a church that he ministered for like 15 years and it's like there's this thing where martial artists it's common for them to, to go through this this physical fighting path get spiritual 
start going along that and then it kind of like the land sort of like somebody else after that do you know what i mean and they'll like perhaps even take on a new name or get a title like bishop sort of saying it's it's common it's common so like that's why i want to make this point at the beginning of making it throughout you know it's not all about fighting and violence and do you know there's stuff to this you know and, and it's all part and parcel of the same stuff with for me it's like the point of having things like olympics to see what the body can do and see how far you can go and it's like inspirational you know to see what we're capable of and that's that's how i think of it anyway so i mean there's also say you think i think about the symbolism as well okay it says here um the, with the Black Karate Federation magazine. It says, uh, consider as well the fact that the BKF's patch and logo depicts the cobra. To the Africans in Egypt and the Indus Valley, India. And those, those, these, so we're talking these, these ancient origin places. These, the serpent, uh, the, the, the serpent symbolically represents the sort of rising up. It's not. It's not just the symbol of wisdom. It's the. It's rising up. The cobra's rising, right? And that's the rising up of latent spiritual forces. Like I mentioned with the Kundalini, which goes up your up your spine and connects your chakras, right? And it's being expressed through the body. Yeah. And that's that's why it is. And it says um, also in this article, it mentions that in addition to traditions with the African origins of martial arts. Okay. And it's a way to, to transform lives that can be found in the very names of some of the disciplines themselves, such as you can see things in it once you've realized like pancreation and karate as a modern day martial arts. You may have been taught that in the Japanese language, karate do translates as meaning empty handway, but kara Kara, the kara bit from karate, means empty, and the te, karate, translates as hand, right? And the word do, is it means dao, or tao, or way, right? So that's what it means, it's correct. However, however, if you look at far older uses of the term karate before Japan, then guess what you got? You break down a word in the ancient Egyptian word of ka, ra, and te, right? So let's break them down because it's got this ancient Egypt, this, you know, karate. There's three two letter words there. So what does that mean in Egypt? So looking at these origins, ka, in ancient Kemet, in ancient Kemetics or Egyptian languages, has a double meaning dealing with the spiritual and the physical. Hmm. Okay, so ka means, in the Kemet languages, vital energy of the soul, or the soul. So your ka can be your soul. It's often described as the, the body double. It doesn't really convey the understanding of the soul properly. It's a subtle vital energy. But the Egyptians' idea of a vital energy ka is very much like li in Japanese, or chi in China. I mentioned them earlier and brought prana in uh, India. Another definition of ka in the Kemetic language is a body, or more precisely, the dead or empty body, as in the mummy. Right. Okay. So that was interesting. So that's ka. And ra, or res, in the Kemetic languages, means to wake up. 
right? To rise up, to keep awake, or to watch. Ra is also the name given to the sun, the Egyptian sun god Ra. Okay. Which renews, so the sun's renewing itself by circling to reappear. In fact, you can uh, find the, the, the prefix re in many words in English that points to the, you know, like the recycling, the re you redo sort of thing. And that, that's, that's coming from, you know, it's got cometic origins. Okay, so why would the Egyptians, <laughs> why would Egyptian words show up in the English language? It's all origin stuff. It's because the early letters of a European land, the early, sorry, the early settlers of European land, right, revered Africa and Egypt. Yeah? They revered, um, they revered the African Egyptian symbol of the cross, known as the Ankh. Okay? It's a bit like a cross, a Christian cross, but the, the line on the top is like an oval instead. So that's the Ankh. Okay? The Egyptian Ankh, yeah, was revered. So we've got some of these comedic words in, in European languages, in English. And guess what? England is actually, was originally named Ankhland, which every time became England. Ankhland, England. So even England, the very, very name, where I'm from, where I'm, I'm here right now, it's very name is coming from Africa. Okay. So... Ka and Ra have some significant meanings. So what about Te? Okay, so in the Kemetic languages, Te, it means hand, right? Fair enough. We've got it all covered then. Let's see what the rest of it says. It says, uh, in the ancient Kemetic writing system, a symbol for Te is um, basically meaning uh, out of or to go out, or to emit, or to give, or to set to place. Okay, so te in ancient Egyptian means go out of, go out, emit, give, to set to place. So don't overlook the uh, the fact that the midinator, otherwise known as the, the hieroglyph, uh, a Greek term meaning writings of God, by the way, <laughs> it says te. Is an illustration of a hand. Okay, and in Japanese, the word te is also the word for hand. So that word te is hand. It's hand. Everyone's using it for hand, depicting a hand. So that also in ancient Egyptian, ka means your spirit. Yeah. Ra is is the light, right? And te means to emit and hand. So even in ancient, ancient Egyptian karate, it's basically just brazen telling you, you use your spirit double body, ka, to wake up and rise up, your light force, and then te, emit it out your freaking hand. <laughs> Give him a wormhole punch. Come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> and you know, and I thought, well, I'm, I got this book, this is unrelated to this, or I suppose unrelated, the Box Saga, which is, you know, about a Finnish family, but 
I thought it's got a glossary at the back and that's about ancient language they're supposed to be the first ever language from the green language anyway anyway thought I'd just check that out see if they've got a, a, a word for car ra and te and I've and they have right so I thought how well do they line up with this from the box saga so for car they've got car cas or cas right it's a rock shape uh, sorry it's a it's a rock in the shape of a, a, a Dutch cheese right which is one of those those big damn cheeses it's like a a big it's a circle or sometimes an almost orb shaped almost like a sphere with flat tops on right so so that's like a almost like a ball but it's a circle so car it's a rock shape or a Dutch cheese <laughs> in the shape of a Dutch cheese right okay it's like a big rock big rock and circular okay so ra or r e it says that means one of the eight powers ra r or e is one of the eight powers so is that a reference to breathing i wonder what the egyptians call the lift the breath the lift right right so that's the rising bit okay so car is that rock or or if you think of the dutch cheese shape like almost a ball then i'm thinking of your magnetism of your spirit energy because the car if we go back to the egypt one it would mean that meant originally you know spiritual and physical your double body so they're talking about your spirit body sort of thing your chi whatever so if car is your rock that's your main energy stuff like in the shape of a dutch cheese like your aura around you Okay, so is the box saga, the ancient Finnish language, which is supposed to be coming from the root root language of all languages, car, rock, this cheese, is that referring to your, your chi and your aura? Okay, and ra, one of the eight powers, air, as air, ar, and ra, okay, that's light too, of course, but what it says, one of the eight powers, this is the breathing thing and the lift, right, because they call that the breath, the lift, and te, has no special meaning in the box saga. It just means tea. Okay, the drink of tea. But this could be about the patience and the discipline and the emitting part. Because although te means hand in the others, in the box saga, te is tea. But with the explanation of the, the other, the other explanation, they, they said that, yeah, te means hand, but it means to emit. You're an emit from the hand. So I'm thinking, well, tea requires patience to wait for it to brew wait for the flavor to emit to go out to give to set place to set out tea and you do tea ceremonies with discipline don't you in a certain way that's the, the end result of it so even in the box saga going back to the glossary it loosely says the same thing as the karate stuff that you get in japanese and in ancient egyptian Cometics. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Found a paper that takes a. Uh, it takes. Uh, see, I mean, this is deep dive stuff. Got a crossover with Africa and Chinese culture, and then. Um, and yeah, so I found this paper, I found this academic paper, 
this you know had a look into this and it uh, you know looked into the cross cultures from china and africa uh, and um it, it makes this nice quote because it's talking looking at the the combats as well in the martial arts and it's got this lovely little um little detail here and it said that it was referring to african and chinese culture it says in which are the trinity made of the trinity for the combat it's based combat well with both cultures it's combat spirituality and dance that constitutes the core values of african martial arts and that's what's investigated in this paper okay that's there will be links links in description you can read this paper but for that's that's especially interesting considering the penjack silat that I, I studied because there are three ways that you what they call them katas in karate or a salutation in kung fu we learn you learn these forms and uh, i learned i learned something in, in um uh he's doing penjack silat but when you demonstrate even if it's just a technique somebody shows you when you demonstrate it in the silat that i learned there's three ways to demonstrate it or three ways to three flavors that you give it okay so you're doing the same thing with each three styles but what you do is this it just reminded me of this the combat spirituality and dance well there's three levels that you project it with in Silla, and the first level is you're just doing it you're doing the motion you've just been shown to show that you can do it okay so you're just doing the sort of practical slow you look i know yeah move here put my wrist there blah 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 i'm just demonstrating careful there slow there easy to see so you got that and then the next level up is where you do it with full force okay so you're giving it say you're giving it raza i think well there's the word raw again but yeah raza so giving it some oomph you know giving it some you know the pedal to the metal sort of thing yeah giving it some juice so raza is when you're doing it for real okay so there's demonstrating level there's doing it for real level but then there's a a kind of there's the dance level there's literally a dance level that you do your martial arts with and you just do it a bit more artistic and exaggerated and there's no rules to it just it's personal expression and i think that's an effort to try and draw some of your spirituality out and, and forget about looking silly and forgetting about the physical whilst doing physical stuff so the dance element's vital too and funnily enough uh we, we see that um the dance element there's a martial art capoeira that's specifically made to be a dance it's a style of dance but it's a style of dance that slaves invented so they could practice martial arts without anybody noticing you see capoeira that's interesting anyway yeah like i say all the links will be in the in the descriptions and look these things up you know because i want you to to be able to find these things you know and i'm not just making it up and there's a you know what do you think about this this is what it's all about and what questions are coming up for you you know i'm trying to find as many answers as i can get but I'm, i know i'm gonna call more it's gonna lead to more questions and i ain't got the answers man i'm just having a look I'm just trying to transmit what i find for someone else to maybe take and run with or if you find it interesting so what do you think man but but yeah as i say all the links will be there for you always of every show so going back to this i mean looking at these these different styles of martial arts right there's so much crossover it's almost as crazy people known each people have been linking up for a long time 
So check this. Here's a little list of some, some martial arts, man. Check this, right. Throughout the world, the styles, these styles are tying together. Yeah. So there's Kompegana, just much like uh, what likely can be seen from the Shaolin, right? A bit like Shaolin. You've got a Saki, or Sakai, S-A-K-I, from the Northeast Africa. Very, very similar to a variety of Kung Fu styles, especially Wing Chun, okay? And similar elements can be found in Japanese Jiu-Jitsu also. There's a style called Jirobu. That's very similar to Jiu-Jitsu as well. There's a, a style of wrestling from Senegal called um, Kazo Cha Shikana. Kazo Cha Shikana. There we go. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Gidigbo of Nigeria, West Africa. Both of them very, very similar to a Russian uh, martial arts system called Sistema. And also similar to Shuajeo is a Chinese wrestling, okay? Which is like a, a, a judo offspring, a judo, which is an offspring to jiu-jitsu, is very much like Nuba wrestling, the original wrestling, which is similar to Greco-Roman wrestling, which is also very similar to Sambo in Russia. Like I mentioned, Capoeira, that's got its origins from uh, Nungola, so, <laughs> which is a fighting form from Angola. So Zulu stick fighting of uh, Southern Africa, and European Sui stick fighting are very very similar to modern day fencing and uh and it can uh it always takes my mind off there because then you get the Filipino martial arts as well that use a lot of stick fighting a screamer so you know they're all like like tied in man and the stick fighting similar to say modern day fencing and the way you use the wrist and in the way that you know you use a buckler and a, a targa in fencing and uh, the weapons practices of uh, Makaza and Cha Shikana, which I mentioned earlier, hope I got it right, is very similar, like I say, to uh, that is also similar to the Filipino martial arts, like I say, with the stick fighting. So they're all kind of tied in together. In a tradition of uh, Danby boxing, Nigerian fighters would wrap their hands with ropes, yeah, dip them in glue, get broken glass on it. Well, they do that in, in Thai boxing and Muay Thai. Uh, famously in a Jean-Claude Van Damme film and uh, also you know, in a spoof uh, the hot shots and that part two. but yeah so <sighs> been doing this a while man been doing this a while and uh, among other evidence is like as I say in Japan you know <laughs> there's a Japanese indigenous kind of you know heavily bearded thick wavy hair you know what I'm saying Brightly coloured clothes, almost identical to the patterns and clothes worn by the uh, Amu or the Amu in ancient Egypt. So you're like, hmm, hmm. And, yeah, and if you look at depictions, if you look at depictions of the Amu people, they were described as Asiatics, who the ancestors of the indigenous Japanese, yeah. And they're supposed to be, I can't find this, but they're supposed to be um, a Prince uh, Kemenotep II from the 12th dynasty. And there's walls uh, which is supposed to depict, depict uh, I think it's a priest, uh, Neferotep, and men. They're all heavily bearded. He's supposed to be, there is, there is some, supposed to be some depictions out there and some wall paintings of these people. But like I say, if you look at Egypt's, like the hieroglyphs and stuff, if you look at 
they've got lots of different people, different coloured people and with slightly different hearing stuff. You know, it's only about five or six. You could probably go on a, a browser and get some images up. But yeah, it's makes you wonder. And and you and with this particular one supposedly, although I couldn't find it, it says that it, it's they're clearly not slaves. Okay, so oh, they've got some black slaves in that's all. No, 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 because the, these people, these, uh, you know, these aren't captives. These aren't tied up, man. These people are carrying weapons like bows and arrows and throwing sticks and clubs. You know, they're, they're travelers. They're friends from another neighboring place or whatever. You know, they're not slaves, man. So yeah, I mean, the martial arts, karate, backlinked into Africa. Like I say, the descriptions of them paintings wavy hair beards thick thick wavy hair it's like come on you know they're, they're, like i said they're the original original sort of japanese and the, the clothes are similar the colorings similar you know you gotta you gotta look gotta go with the evidence takes you aren't you so it's definite sharing the knowledge and spreading throughout the world and i think this extends to many things not just with martial arts like this this crossover with cultures for our time man so yeah i mean yep i I love that though with the with the kundalini rising and the karate and it's just all these always comedic origins man you know definitely so definitely ancient egypt origins even with the words i said like the the Greek, the pancreation, you know, in, in pancreation, the, the Greeks who are known to have studied these arts and sciences in Egypt named that martial art pan, uh, pancreation, which can, we can define pan as meaning all and krat or kurt, meaning powers. So it's to say the way of bringing forth or draw out the power or essence of the spirit. So even in pancreation, it says what it is, yeah? The same as it says it in ancient Egyptian, the same as it, it says it in Japanese, it say, say what it is, name it, name it. So give it power, I suppose, or, t- or take its power. And yeah, that's how you supposedly get rid of um, some monsters in it, some demons, if you can find out the name, you can say the name and they can control them. So it is told. But anyway, let's go back to this article. Ancient Egyptians knew, as we, if you studied ancient Egyptians, you know, they knew about the spiritual body. And they knew it was more powerful than the physical body. Their entire society and culture was devoted to the pursuit of knowledge and, knowledge and spiritual enlightenment. Their entire culture and society committed to it. So could it be like yoga, the study of movements, martial arts originally intended to be used as keys to unlock latent potential within us yeah so the spirit could rise up i think that's what this stuff's for the breathing techniques the yoga i think that is what it's for you know and if it is then a few hundred years of modern martial arts practice that's been marked by it's to say crass commercialization may have very little to do with the tradition that is many thousands of years older it could mean that the martial arts today are certainly not being practiced for the purposes they were intended. Okay, apart from like I say, just a small few that maybe get to the top of the fighting career and end up being very spiritual as a necessity because they're already on that path, you know. 
So even in the comedic languages, like say the karate and cast and cast, karate can be written as karast, kareste, right? We have the car and the rest in the te, karest, as in Christ, as in the anointed risen one. And res from Ra, res comes up again in the word resurrection to rise back up, right? And in the Bible, Genesis 32, 22, Jacob wrestles with God, right? When the man saw he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. Sounds like some technique, maybe some hip throw or some leg grab or something. And it says, you know, Jacob wins, he rises victorious and blessed the man. Uh, sorry, he rises up victorious and, and the man who he beat, he blesses him. And, uh, and, rename, and his name gets changed from Jacob to Israel. You know, and then he goes on to decides to name the place Pineal. Saying it was because God saw his face. It says it's because he saw God face to face and yet he was speared. So if hang on, hang on, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. You, you, name God, you had a fight with God or you had a fight of a man and it turns out you've wrestled with God or whatever and it turns out it was really God and you did it okay. It's got spear. So you, so you call the place where you wrestle Pineal and you're now called Israel. Okay, so let's reflect on this for a moment. Right. Okay, so Israel, to reflect his complete insight into the Kemetic principles, right? It's like it's saying, it's took the word is from Israel. Is, it's a female principle, Isis, okay? The male principle, Isis is is. Okay, and the male principle, Ra, Ra, okay, and the divine is El, El, as in Hebrew word for God. So is, Re El, is female principle, male principle, divine. Okay, so that sounds like a bit, uh, that sounds a bit like the balancing stuff, doesn't it? You know what I'm saying? See how that comes together? Learn the male and the female, you know what I'm saying? Learn your animal nature, learn your night, light nature, balance them out boom yeah learn your feminine aspects when you're male learn your masculine aspects when you're female you know that stuff man all that good stuff and it says uh, for, think about it for jesus who many believed studied in egypt during his lost years or you know or perhaps didn't die and studied in india after as a lot of indians believe there's supposed to be a grave for jesus in india uh, that's another story <laughs> but anyway but yeah it's not difficult to imagine him as a skilled spiritual warrior martial artist on his way to self-mastery to become the risen the Christ the life of Jesus parallels that of another crucified saviour that resembles closely in words and deeds he is a dark black figure whose name literally means the black one speaking of the black not powder blue warrior from india who became deified his colorful life and epic battles against the invading aryans are recorded in the bhagavad gita he was none other than the illuminated master krishna 
So we've got <laughs> Krishna. Oh man. It's telling me it gets biblical stuff, dude. It gets all biblical on us. <laughs> so, okay, so every age produces ascended masters such as Krishna. But, uh, or a benevolent warrior priest. Alright, uh, such as the uh, aforementioned Prince Amenet. Okay, ancient Kemet. Alright, so it's almost certain that during the modern era, the martial arts sciences in the West will lead a few practitioners, if not more, to similar levels of insight and achievement, right? As we mentioned, like Bruce Lee and, and, and whatnot. And I'm sure there's got to be people doing, doing this today that we don't know about, I'm sure. So in Africa today, despite her many problems, there can still be found masters and warrior priests of high spiritual orders amongst the Dogon of Mali, the Ifi of Nigeria, the Zulu of uh, South Africa, and other African people. And I'm sure in other parts of the world as well, no doubt. Hard near in the jungles, man. Traditional martial arts, martial arts are still being practiced out there somewhere. Like I say, I'm sure the jungles of uh, Southeast Asia have got some stuff going on, no doubt. And Borneo and that head, they used to have their headhunters, the Dark tribe down there, man. Uh, Burma, uh, like a good fight, you know, they want well, to know how to do it. Anyway, anyway, it's another story, ancient history. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, people do they end up on these spiritual paths, man. It says that, you know, it's got, uh, is this another example? Uh, it says that the Mezekin and the Keonuba people of present-day Sudan still have a, a mandate that requires every young man to enter into martial arts training. See? See? These uh, arts have uh, much more to do with the development and continuation of spiritual traditions than anything else. Yeah? And, and like they used to teach... Um, in the Far East, used to teach uh, kids at school the martial arts. So then if you do that, it kind of like means there's no soft targets when you become adults. Especially if, if you've been doing it since you learnt it at school when you first did it at six and you're now 66. You've been doing it 60 years. So you're not no soft target pensioner, are you? You're kicking crap out of people. So, just a thought. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, there was an Iowa State wrestling coach, a little side note, uh, Bobby Douglas, who claims direct lineage of the Nuba Sudan. So, said in, the, in, a, in an interview one time. But he said, uh, even today, wrestling is still part of a religion or religion of the Nubia. The religion of Nubia. I was like, hmm, okay. And I know that there's a, a documentary once about um, Sikh, Sikhism. And Sikhs, Sikhs have this uh, warrior caste that... Uh, they sacrificed the ability to have sex and they gradually like destroyed erectile tissue by like kind of rolling it around a stick kind of thing and it's like man they're not just doing this stuff for nothing you don't go to them kind of extremes do you just to look the toughest or to, you know there's a there's a commitment there to something you know you know anyway i suppose as humanity evolves from the age of belief and speculation to embrace the future that demands knowledge and application. The future fortunate inheritors of these uh, glorious arts will be the generations to come. From among their ranks we may find martial artists who will dare to rise above the philosophical and ego-based approach to the study of the martial arts instead of, and instead understand and apply the sciences 
that were formulated in Africa many centuries ago. I think this is where um, Bruce Lee needs a, sh a, a special shout out here, and yeah, you can't not mention it because he got a lot of backlash from Chinese master. He got a lot of backlash for they said he was uh, you know sharing our secrets with a uh, with the enemy or at least potential enemy, and yeah, and perhaps if you're not being treated particularly well and you know and all that, but he just wanted to share that that art and let people know, and this is what people can do, isn't it? Like I say. So shouts out to Bruce Lee. So you got a lot of backlash from that, for sharing stuff. But hey, this is why we did this stuff, man. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of podcasters out there that's also getting backlash. Also getting problems with what they're saying and talking about. I'm sure there are. That's why you do it, man. That's why you do it. Or find out what's what. There's a lot of people in this world who don't want us to know. And it's always been, always been that way. Always will be. That's why you got to... Do your, do your own work anyway that's my opinion and I'm entitled to it anyway <laughs> it goes on in this article it says uh, to prepare for this uh, however one must be ready and willing to uh, take up the challenge like the spiritual warrior Jacob we must be prepared to wrestle with it and overcome a formidable opponent in ourselves true to say that even like doing a podcast jumping on YouTube Posting a video takes a bit of bravery. Calling into a radio show, you crawl out on a limb a bit sometimes, don't you? But anyway, so Bodhidharma. This is where he's coming from. This is where this stuff's coming from. It's ancient, ancient stuff. You know, and if the Bodhidharma is spreading Buddhism, you know, credited for spreading that to China. That stuff's coming from ancient Africa, man. This stuff's. It's, I think it's worth looking into because if there's any goodies to be had or go to the source information before it's all filtered out and changed and whatever or misinterpreted or you know we're trying to find the source information aren't you get the master copy okay but anyways there's a lovely little quote here from when we talked about Hermes earlier um, well, actually it was an African called Tahuti well Tahuti um, some words of wisdom from Tahuti which is found in the the Kabbalion, which is a, a book that again you can you can look that up. It was these uh, disciples that come up with these teachings, or some description of what it's about, kind of thing of Hermes uh, philosophers. But anyway, yeah, the Kabbalion is uh, is more important today than ever as it reaffirms our mission in this game of life, as Tuhuti said. But the masters, knowing the rules of the game, rise above the plane of material life and placing themselves in touch with the higher powers of nature dominate their own moods characters qualities and polarity as well as the environment surrounding them and thus become movers in the game instead of pawns causes instead of effects yeah hmm yeah, that's the old, it's an old-fashioned way of saying grab the bull by the horns and just do it, you know. So as soon as I mention Hermes and the Kabbalion, we'll just quickly mention, um, because it's all philosophical, spiritual stuff, I'll just give you a quick, uh, quick uh, rundown of the seven hermetic principles, okay? So the hermetic ideas, we've heard, we've heard this kind of, uh, this spiritual talk with Tai Chi and Taoism and Buddhism, Falun Dafa, you know that that's principles of that is truthfulness compassion forbearance or tolerance you know I'm sure we've 
heard of um, you know the that with the gurus and masters that touch about meditation, mindfulness, peacefulness. Okay, so let's just quickly blast what Hermes is saying or Tahuti right at the beginning. So his quick seven principles are principles of mentalism. The all is mind, the universe is mental. Okay, the principle of mentalism states that the universe is akin to a mental projection. There is like it says like a manifestation 101 which is like using your thoughts to shape your reality. For anything to be, a thought must precede it. Through this principle, it's believed that God is consciousness or thought, and the universe is a manifestation of the mind of God. Using this law, we too can harness the power of our minds and create the life we want. Principle two, the principle of correspondence. As above, so below. As below, so above, the Kabbalion. We've all heard this quote before, but maybe you never knew it was from Hermes. So Hermes that coined it. It closely related to the first principle of mentalism and states that what where we hold our thoughts and mind will that will become our reality. Okay. It explains that there are many places of existence, including those of low and higher vibrational frequencies and, and how they're connected. Okay, so the principle of vibration. That comes next at number three. Nothing rests, everything moves, everything vibrates. Okay, yes, believe it or not, the idea of vibes has been around for a long time, very, 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 very long time. The principle of vibration is, uh, states that things, both physical matter and spiritual energy, hold a certain vibration. Basic science tells us atoms are in constant motion, as, un as is the universe itself. Even our hearts, as they beat, Give off different vibrations depending on our emotional state okay and when we're vibrating high we're able to avoid low frequencies that don't serve us okay principle four the principle of polarity everything is dual everything has poles everything has its pair of opposites like and unlike are the same opposites are identical in nature but different in degree extremes meet all truths are but half truths all paradoxes may be reconciled interesting so principle of polarity explains that seemingly opposite things are actually one in the same to varying degrees a simple example of this is hot and cold hot is just the absence of heat and they're both one thing temperature Physical matter and spiritual energy are the same thing. With spiritual energy vibrating at a much higher level, such that it can't be perceived by our senses, love and hate are two ways of experiencing the same thing, a relationship towards something. This is the foundation of alchemy or the ability to transmute your experiences at will. Principle seven is the principle, uh, sorry, principle number five next is principle of rhythm. Everything flows out and in. Everything has its, oh, I'm so popular. Everything flows in, out and in. Everything has its tides and things rise and fall. The pendulum swings, manifests in everything. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Rhythm compensates. Okay, so this is closely related to the principle of polarity. The fifth prince, this fifth principle states that 
Between the opposing poles, there exists an inherent rhythm. The tides move in and out. We inhale and exhale. Everything is in motion. Nature has its seasons and so too do we. Understand the principle, allowing us to recognize our lives and the universe's natural rhythms so we can actually work with them rather than having them work against us. Okay. Principle number six, the principle of cause and effect. Cause and effect has its effects. Every effect has its cause. Everything happens according to law. Chance is but the name for a law not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing escapes the law. Okay, so that's saying everything is uh, connected through the principle of cause and effect. For each cause of one thing, there's merely an effect of something else, going back to the very beginning. I think that's the first uh, law of Newton, actually. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction, first law of uh, Newtonian physics there. Okay, so uh, principle number seven is the principle of gender. Dun, dun, dun. Gender is in everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. Gender manifests on all planes. Dun, dun, dun. You're allowed a gender. You're allowed an agenda. Do you have an agenda? Anyway, don't start me off. Right, the seventh principle states that all things have masculine and feminine qualities. Yes, the two sexes can be thought of as a physical manifestation of this principle. But as we're all coming to understand, on an internal level, all of us hold both energies. Think the left and right brain. Masculine and feminine energies exist in not only the physical plane, but in the mental and spiritual plane as well. The unity of these two energies is essential for creation. And when one is out of balance, it says when one has a balance of both, they're better able to apply all of the principles together for maximum benefits. So this is the thing I kind of mentioned this earlier as well. It's almost like the up, down, the left, right. You balance these things out, get balanced, balance your light nature, your animal nature, balance this stuff. And you've got it, man. You got, you're onto something, you know, you sort of elevate yourself, you know. And there's, a, there's actually a, not necessarily specifically talking about the body dharma, but uh, there's the African culture, the African roots of uh, it was shown in documentary Wesley Snipes actually. Uh, I might be, might be on YouTube actually as a Masters of Martial Arts. So you can dig up that documentary. You can you can get some of this stuff. Uh, and see a video about some of this stuff. But there's also a an, a journal. Say so there's another journal. I just want to quickly give a shout out to now um, the academic journal from 1985 uh, gives a quick reference it was um, African Roots in Asian Martial Arts Journal of African Civilizations Issue 7 uh, page 138 1439 pop a link in as always and so I'm going to pop a little quote in here from a this has been looked at um so we've got a documentary, but this uh, this academic journal is written by a martial arts master, actually, called uh, Kalindi AI. Okay, so if it gets a little bit more hippie and woo at this point, 
uh, even though this stuff's ancient, it ties into things concerning the ability of the body and lost knowledge, as we've been talking about. Uh, but then we're going to go full steam ahead with the Wu, uh, with the aforementioned uh, Kalindi Ayai, because this guy's a grandmaster. Grandmaster Barbara Kalindi Ayai was a native of Detroit. Okay, he's, he's, he studied and taught ancient and contemporary African fighting sciences, right? It made a huge impact on his own city for educational and humanitarian organizations, okay? He was the head instructor and technical advisor the, of the Tamerian Martial Arts Institute. Their mission is to inform the world that martial arts and sciences began in Africa. It was a strong and fierce force in the black liberation movement believed in human-centered movements where no other human was excluded. Accordingly, he had a deep understanding of the long-existing uh, fight to maintain and preserve the human spirit. As a, also has a big interest in working with psychedelics. Okay, the spiritualness, the consciousness, all this, uh, <laughs> this stuff, and it's, you know, so, I mean, <laughs> I found, I found a little YouTube video. This guy seems pretty cool, you know. He seems to know what he's talking about. I found a little uh, YouTube video and I took a clip from it because it was kind of funny. It kind of made me laugh. So uh, I'm sure I'm sure not mine. Just a short clip. So I'm just going just gonna to play it now. It's just like from the intro, but I'll put the link in for, for the video anyway. So you can just go and sort of go and check it out for yourself anyway. But yeah, here's this, uh, here's this little... Uh, clip then I just want to play this for you about Wakanda which was a mythical place but Wakanda is not a mythical place and is not a mythical people and the Black Panther is not a mythical comic book character you have the Black Panther Society in Africa which eats the Amanita uh, Pantherina mushroom to get the powers of the Black Panther they use the Black Panther mushroom for the powers of the Black Panther. But they used the same mushroom in Japan and that mushroom delivered what was called ninjutsu or the dark Japanese martial arts. Ninjutsu came out of a mushroom, a psychedelic mushroom. As a matter of fact, for those that don't know, I'm a martial artist, that's what I do as my work. I teach martial arts, ancient and, tradi and traditional and contemporary African fighting sciences. And all of the martial arts that you see have entheogens that go along with them. How you think, you know, the Kung Fu guys, you know, they're standing on a blade of grass or jumping to the top of the tree and, you know, uh, a thousand arrows come and they just knock them out of the way. That's all entheogenic use. Because they would have battles where they never engaged physically. They took the entheogen, stood back, and they battled entheogenically between the two warriors. So nobody was killed, but you find out who had the best skill and the most skill. These type of things went on, they were common. You know, we had masquerade warfare. Where you see the masquerades in Africa, you may see a bunch of raffia or somebody on stilts and things like that. They did battle the same way. This was all part of the sensibility of the entheogenic use in ancient times in the ancient world that is re-emerging now. We're only at the beginning. People always say that the 60s was a failure. Oh, the hippies are gone and the 60s was a failure. They got rid of, no, no that was just no, the beginning. No, 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 no.
Wow. <laughs> wow. There we are then. Uh, that made me laugh that day. I was listening to that. I was like, what? What is going on? You know? Because <laughs> he's talking like they're taking the mushrooms. And I think straight away, I thought, you know what? Uh, I thought of older, uh, the old Norseman, the, 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 the berserkers. You know? I mean, if. If you've not heard of the Berserkers, the Vikings, I'm sure you've heard of the Vikings, man. They have the Berserkers. And they say, so they say okay, the, the Old Norse Writings Corpus says the Berserkers were said to have uh, fought in a trance-like fury. Yeah, characteristic which later given rise in modern language to the word berserk. Okay, so the berserk comes from to, you know, furiously violent or out of control. Okay, as attested to in numerous Old Nor Norse stories. And uh, whether I'm even aware of this or not, but yeah, the Norse supposedly, like these guys, these berserkers, the rage that was induced voluntarily by the consumption of uh, drugs, quote unquote, I would call them medicines if they're from nature, but anyway, uh, yeah, a drug such as uh, hallucinogenic mushrooms or massive amounts of alcohol, which, you know, get inebriated, whatever, but yeah, it's the psychedelics, the psychedelics. It counts. It, it really does count. It's not about getting high. It's uh, the ancient, uh, the Hinduism, the colourful artwork. You know, they're, they're looking to seek an understanding of space and time. That's what Eastern philosophy is doing. They've got space and time. Western does the material. That's how it goes, you know. And even in, in Hinduism, there's a lost practice, a lost uh, substance called Soma. No one knows what it is anymore, but it sounds like it was some kind of brew that they used to drink, some uh, hallucinogenic. You know, and, and when we're talking about getting in touch with yourself and your spiritual evolution and stuff in nature, this stuff counts. The entheogens, it, it really counts the stuff. In fact, if there's a candidate for an alien on the planet, there you are, because there's a unique phosphorus group in, in the in the there's magic mushroom areas, the psilocybin mushrooms that are completely unique. Nothing else. It's not you know, it's, you know. So, but yeah, for, for, Found that fascinating. Like I say, um, this martial artist, you know, talking about the uh, talking about the psychedelics and those those epic scenes that you get in movies that seem impossible, or these impossible stories. I think, wow, if they're doing it on that astral plane, that changes things. Yeah, if you're doing it in an out of body experience or astral projecting, that changes things. Do you know what I'm saying? And then it's almost like you can do simulated warfare. It's sort of what you're suggesting. You could do simulated warfare and you could say, no, actually, I would have lost this. So they don't need to actually go to war. Do you know what I'm saying? If you know they've got this guy that can, that can do the astral stuff all in real life, then they'll be able to beat you. Do you know what I'm saying? If it beats you in the astral world, it's going to beat you here. Sort of like that. So I don't know. I just thought it was food for thought. So, the, I mean, this body dharma character... It, to me, it seems like that original notion is is the correct one. That there was this guy that, I don't know what he was doing with his life, but at some point he decided to go for a wander, go and walk the earth, literally, for a long, long way, and ended up, you know, he studied the animals along the way, he studied the tiger, how a tiger fights. Body Dharma studied our monkey fights, our snake fights, cranes, pelicans. You know, that's the basis of the animals. 
I don't know if a mantis was in there in the beginning, but it's a small creature to kind of watch and, and whatnot. But, you know, that's where these things come from. And I can say from my studies of Pendraxilat and in terms of mentioning this trance work, you can induce trances, but you don't need necessarily even need psychedelics. Yeah. You see this with, um, I think uh, there's some... There's some hunter-gatherer tribes that still... There's a hunter-gatherer tribe that's still left. They're in the Nicaragua jungle. It's the desert next to that. There's, there's hunter-gatherers still in the world that have been shown to have a psychic connection to the village somehow because what they do is uh, they do this thing called the chase which relates to being in a trance because they can they go in a team of three and one guy instead of chasing the wild boar one guy will run after it one guy will just walk and one guy will crawl like and pretend to be the wild boar and he'll try and get in a mindset yeah and then after a while they'll kind of swap you know and he'll go running then and then the guy that's been running for a bit will just walk for a bit or he'll get down and do the you know he'll probably just walk for a bit and then the guy that's been walking will get down and pretend to be the boar so you've always got a guy trying to psychically link up with where the boar's going You've always got one guy walking, conserving energy, and you've always got one guy, one guy running, chasing it down. And by the time they get to it, it's exhausted. They don't even need to stick it. You know, it just, it just falls over. Just exhausted. They preserve their energy. You know, so they're using trance work to do that, not using psychedelics. And I can say, in terms of martial arts, you're learning a lot. If you, I learn a tiger style where you get on the ground, pretend just like a tiger. You get on the ground. So when you've been knocked over, but you to turn into advantage, fight from the ground, it's brilliant. Okay. But if you if you study cats and pretend to be a cat, do the tiger stuff and, and prepare your body and, and you know get flexible enough so you can do the stuff, you can sit there and you can imagine growing claws and teeth and getting the fur and stripes and that. You're not see it don't really happen. But you can sit there and think about it for a bit, practice your moves, and you get missing time. Maybe get 5, 10, 15 minutes where you can't really remember and you're knackered and it's where you've kind of gone into it a bit. It's like you've embodied it in a way, kind of tricked the cosmos into thinking you're a tiger so then you can jump a bit further. Or if like, if you practice the crane style a lot, it lifts its arms up when it jumps to pull your lateral muscles up to give you a bit more upward force so you jump a bit higher. Where, you know, if you study a birds and pretend to be a bird, you will get to jump higher, you know. You kind of borrow some of the attributes or push yourself further than what you thought kind of thing so i just thought i'd uh, give that a mention with that interesting trance uh, story in the psychedelics mentioned there by a uh, grandmaster baba kiria d yeah i mean yeah, i thought that was pretty interesting in taking psychedelics to learn this stuff to get on the higher levels of it and i think yeah hmm. so have a think. See what you think about this. I mean, I've had a bloody good think about it. Uh, yeah. That's the show on the body dharma. I mean, have a think about this, folks. Look look it up. I definitely encourage you to look this stuff up. Like I say, I'm always going to provide all the links I can. I don't just want to make stuff up. If I'm speculating, I'll try and remember to tell you that that's what I'm doing. But yeah, check this stuff out, man. This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. But yeah, the Buddha Dharma and the, and the Buddhism stuff, uh, the Gautama Buddha and Siddhartha and all that stuff, the Bhagavad Gita, the, the Rig Veda of Hinduism, is this fascinating stuff, man. I, I encourage people, if you're interested in consciousness and world history and 
you know, where do we come from? All any of this consciousness talk, the, the woo-woo tinfoil hat stuff, man, I definitely check them stuff out. Check out ancient Africa, ancient India, because they've been around longer, longest, from what we can tell. So, you know, source information there. That's what it's all about. But anyway, anyway, thanks very much, folks, for tuning in. And uh, yeah, have you ever, ever? <laughs> an interesting deep dive into some of this stuff or if not if you don't find it interesting that's fair enough yeah can't win them all can you anyway that's it for today's show exile minds podcast with uh leah martin hopefully like i say i'll keep keep improving getting better and uh get more professional and stuff like turning the phone off anyway <laughs> thanks very much folks i'll uh, see you next time the Exiled Minds podcast. Yeah, talk to us. Yeah, what do they say?